139th Psalm, Psalm 139. I just want to read two verses here in this chapter and uh, probably read some other verses uh, from the Word of God tonight if it goes how I feel that it will. And uh, I don't know what all I'll say, how much preaching I'll do, or how long I'll be. Uh, But this has been stirring in my heart, and it's excited me and helped me, and uh, been a blessing to me. And I hope uh, that I can get it out to you the way the Lord has put it in my heart. And I hope that you will leave helped and encouraged, and that you'll find the help in it uh, that the Lord's allowed me to find over the last few days. And really, I guess uh, that all of this, and the Lord knows, and uh, nothing just happens by coincidence or circumstance. I'm glad the Lord's at work in everything. And uh, really, I think all of this kind of stemmed from uh, something that was said, a verse that was read in the Sunday school hour on Sunday, and it's been working in my heart. And I thank the Lord for that. And uh, I just want to give you what's on my heart and trust the Lord will help us together tonight. Psalm 139, let's stand together if you're able and willing to do so. I want to read two verses. This is a a very rich chapter uh, in the Word of God. Someone has uh, put the heading, at least in my Bible, above Psalm 139, besides the one that's in every Bible that it says to the chief musician, a psalm of David, but above that it says, David praises God for his all-seeing providence. So David is recognizing in every verse of this psalm that God is in control. That that God's not being taken aback by anything that's happened in David's life. We don't know exactly when that this was written, but David speaks from before he was even born, when he was conceived, and even before that, that God was in control and God had a plan and a purpose for the life of David. And that God's purpose, regardless of what obstacles or opposition would come, that God's purpose would be carried out in the life of David. And so let's read a couple of verses here in Psalm 139. I want to read verse 17 And verse 18, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I'm interested tonight in the first statement that's made in verse 17 and really the remainder of that verse and verse 18 are commenting on the thought that's brought out in the first part of verse number 17 where David says, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. And the Lord began to deal in my heart this week about his thoughts. And I want to preach tonight on God's thoughts. Now here in this scripture, David, the whole chapter, David has been dealing personally between him and God. 
God, David's not been writing about God working in the life of anybody else but him. And so here in this verse, it's no different. What David is saying is that the thoughts of God toward David are precious unto him. And here in the scripture, there are other verses in the word of God that tell us about how God thinks. Now, we can't fully understand how God thinks for the verse already I've said, and that's one of the verses that have been on my heart that I've been reading and looking at, is that the Word of God tells us that His thoughts in the book of Isaiah are higher than our thoughts. That He doesn't think like you and I think, and we better be glad about that. And so the reality is that we can't fully understand the thoughts of God or how God thinks, but thank God God has revealed some of His thoughts and some of the way He thinks toward us unto us in the Word of God. Here in this scripture, David says that the thoughts of God toward His people are precious thoughts. That means they are beyond value. They are beyond able to give an explanation or a worth to. They are highly valued but the word precious also means hard to be understood. David said when I step back and look at who I am, look at what I've done, look at how wretched and how vile and how miserable I am he said it's hard for me to understand why you would think about me but he's going to go on to say I'm poor and needy yet the Lord thinketh on me I'm glad tonight the writer of the song said I'm poor and needy yet the Lord thinks about me now when I step back and God has worked in my heart and I'm so glad to step back and look at how vile and wretched I am how much of a failure I am and yet God thinks about me the eternal God the creator of heaven and earth the supreme being the almighty one the sovereign God that he would look down on me but the reality is that he didn't just start thinking about me I thought about that blessed Tuesday night that I got saved and birthed in the family of God but he didn't just start thinking about me on that night he didn't start just thinking about me on the Sunday before when he put me under conviction but the reality is in eternity past he was thinking about me and in eternity future he's already thinking about me it ought to do our heart good ought to do something inside of us to think that God is thinking about us it ought to be precious to us that God is thinking about us the reality is one preacher said if you knew me like I know me you wouldn't think about me like you think. But here's the reality. I know me. And I wouldn't think about me like God thinks. But the reality goes further than that. God knows me better than I know me. And yet He thinks about me. And He loves me. And cares about me. And His thoughts are to usward. And we better be glad. We ought to be glad. It ought to be precious to us that God thinks about us. But then He says it's precious. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great 
is the sum of them. He said they're plenteous. They're not just, he don't just think about you once or twice a day. But you're always on his mind. You always have been. And you are now. And you always will be. But David went on to say it. I should count them. They are more in number than the sand. He said to count the sand would be an impossible task. But if I could. He said your thoughts toward me are more in number than the number of the sand that's by the seashore. If you and I could start tonight and take to endeavor to count the sand. It would prove to be an impossible task. But if we could. If we could reach some astronaut number of how many grains of sand are by the seashore. And David said the thoughts of God just to toward us would far exceed the number of the sand. Boy, that ought to I don't know. I, I don't feel like I can get it out. Like it's in me. But if we could think about the fact that God thinks that the thoughts of God toward us are more numerous than the sand by the seashore. He don't just think about you once or twice and then forget. But he's always on his mind. What a thought. Psalm chapter 40 and verse number 5 said, Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. In other words, the psalmist, and it's David here, writing again. He said, I can't, that word reckon up means to lay out in order. He said, I couldn't pick the greatest thought that God has toward me and the least thought. He said, it's him possible that God just thinks of me and he said I can't even count them much less lay them out before God and they're pleading he thinks constantly about us he don't forget us in our bad times he don't forget us in our good times the reality is what the Holy Ghost said to me and boy it's like you was talking to me couldn't be any more real He said, I think about you way more than you think about me. I don't know if that does anything to you. But I'm going to tell you, I'd be in trouble. And so would you. If God only thought about me as much as I think about Him. And if you'd be honest, you'd be in trouble. If God only thought about you as much as you think about Him. How many times do we get up and we're so busy about our day that we forget to pray and forget to talk to God and forget to include Him in our day. But He doesn't forget us. He always, always, always thinks about us no numbers big enough scientists have come up with billions and trillions of numbers they get on the news and I'm not trying to preach on the news but they get on the television and talk about that we're trillions of dollars in debt I can't even fathom such a number but I know there's more than trillions of grains of sand on the seashore and David said if I could even count them they're more the thoughts of God for me and not for just everybody he said for me are more than the grains by the seashore what a thought David's not writing generally David's writing personally 
And most often the Psalms of David are always written from a personal perspective. David is not saying the thoughts God has for the world or the thoughts God has for the church. But he's saying the thoughts God has just for me are more in number than the grains of sand which are by the seashore. I'm glad his thoughts are plenteous. I'm glad his thoughts are precious. In verse 17 of Psalm chapter 40, he said, But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. His thoughts are not governed by popularity. His thoughts are not governed by how much money we possess. His thought, there's a lot of people that will only give others a second thought if they have a lot of popularity or if they have a lot of possessions or if they have a lot of power or if they have some political or social agenda or standing. But thank God I'm not that way. God's not that way because I don't have enough power to make Him stir toward me. I don't have enough possessions to buy His attention for even a second. I'm not politically minded enough or have enough power to make God turn in my favor David said I'll just tell you what I am I'm poor and I'm needy he said yet God thank God upon me in other words David said I have nothing to give God and he said, matter of fact, I need to get some from him. But not only do I not have anything to give him, I'm constantly asking. I'm poor and I'm needy. But he said, yet God, thank God on me. What a blessing. Oh yeah. The writer said, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. I thought about, and I'm not much on a lot of modern day songs, but somebody wrote a song and said something about they had never done this and never done that. They didn't have a fortune. They didn't have a lot of experiences in this life. They didn't have haven't done a lot of the things the world says that they ought to have done or could have done or should have done. But they went on to say, but I have been to Calvary. And I met the one who bled and died for me. I may not have a lot in this life. I'm not asking for a pity party God has been better than good to me but I don't have enough possessions nor power nor popularity nor pull in the world to make God turn my way I'm just poor and needy but I'm so glad that the God of heaven the eternal being looks down on me and he don't just look on me in pity but he thinks about me oh yeah what a blessing and then we come to that. And I got two more verses and I'm done. I've done what I'm supposed to do. This is the way the Lord said to preach it and this is the way I'm going to preach it. In verse number five, uh, uh, verse uh, chapter 55 of Isaiah and verse number eight, he said, for my thoughts, now this is the Lord speaking. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are high, Higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now I got to pondering on that, and I said, Lord, what are you trying to say? And he said, my thoughts are pure thoughts. He said, I don't think evil thoughts. And the Lord began to take my heart to places in the Word of God. 
I thought about in Genesis chapter 6. The Bible said God looked down on man and the imagination and the thoughts of his heart were evil continually. And God said, I don't think like that. I'm glad God don't think evil toward us. If he did, we'd all be in a mess. But he don't, when we treat him good, he don't think good. And when we treat him bad, him think bad. He just always thinks good of us. I'm so glad he don't think like I think. When somebody does me wrong, it's an answer my flesh to think bad of them. I don't want to get even with them. But I'm glad I found God today. But I'm glad he's not trying to get even with me. He don't try to get done with me. He don't think bad of me. I'm glad his thoughts and his ways are not my thoughts and my ways. But they're pure thoughts. They're not evil. And even I thought about the ability of man and his thoughts is an amazing thing. We read in Genesis chapter 50 Joseph speaks to his brothers when they reveal themselves unto him. And he said, you thought evil toward me. Their own brother. And they thought evil. You know why? Because circumstances changed. And that brother they could have got along with when they saw that he was being favored more than they were, their thoughts changed about him. But I'm so glad knowing who I am that God's thoughts didn't change about me yesterday. They weren't different from me this morning. If tomorrow comes, they'll not be different from me then. His thoughts are pure thoughts. He don't think like we think. God's thoughts are not selfish thoughts. Man thinks selfish. There's a man in Second Kings chapter five, and I'm about done. There's a man in Second Kings chapter five called Naaman, and he was a leper, and he was sent by the king of Syria. Now the Bible said that Naaman was the captain; he was an honorable man, and by him the Lord had given deliverance to Syria. And it said, but he was a leper. And he went down yonder with a letter in his hand to the king of Israel. And the king of Syria said, I'm sending when you receive this letter, the man that stands before you is Naaman, the captain of my host. And I want you to recover him of his leprosy. And the king of Israel said, what, what's this king of Syria doing? Is he seeking a quarrel? Why is he sending a man down here for me to recover him of his leprosy? I can't do that. He's just wanting a reason to fight. And Elijah hears about it. Or Elisha rather. He said, you tell him to come down here that he can know there's a God in Israel and that he's got a prophet here. And Naaman goes and Naaman has thoughts. And even though Naaman's a leper, Naaman still has selfish thoughts. Because the Bible said he gets down there and Elisha won't even come out of the house. But he sends his servant out. Says, tell him to go dip in Jordan seven times. And his flesh will come again like that of a little child. The Bible said Naaman was wroth. And he went away angry. And this is what he said. Behold, I thought. Naaman already had thoughts about how God should do it. 
Naaman had selfish thoughts. He said, surely he'll come out, strike his hand over the place and call on the name of God over the leper. Naaman wanted to show. Naaman wanted respect. Naaman wanted him to make a fuss because of who he was. But God didn't think that way. I'm glad God don't have selfish thoughts. If God had selfish thoughts concerning Himself, all of us would be in hell today. But I'm glad He don't have selfish thoughts. But the Bible said He spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. And if He's willing to do that, how will He not with Him freely give us all things? It delights Him to answer your prayer. It delights Him to move on your circumstance. It delights Him to help you. It delights Him to see joy in you. He's not selfish. He wants to give you what you need. That's the way He thinks. But then I want to say, and maybe one of the best of them all, is a verse, Brother Tim, I don't know if he read it or if he quoted it in Sunday school on Sunday morning. Now the story is that the children of Israel have been taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar and they've gone into captivity in Babylon. And they don't understand it. And they're fighting against it. It's against everything in them to sit down. In the scriptures it says they sat down by the willows and hung their harps there and said we can't even sing God's song in this strange land. But here's what the Lord says in verse 10 of Jeremiah 29. He said, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. Talking about the land of Israel. Now here comes verse number 11. We like to quote it. It's real popular, but it does way more. It ought to do way more for our soul when we put it in context. He says, after 70 years, I've already made up my mind. I'm coming to get you out. He said, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. In other words, the Lord says, now you don't understand this because you can't think like I think. But He said, I see when year 69 is over and year 70 comes into play and I come down and deliver you out and bring you back to this land. I, I see the day when you write the song when the Lord turned again our captivity. We were like them that dream. Uh, the heathen said the Lord's done great things for them. They said the Lord has done great things for us whereof we are glad. The Lord said I see that day on this day. I know the thoughts I think toward you. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, thank God His thoughts are precious. Thank God they are plentiful. Thank God they're pure. But I bless the good name of God to know that He has purpose thoughts toward us. He don't just have a plan. He has a purpose. And He will bring it to pass. His thoughts are not our thoughts. You know how we think? We think the worst and then we worry about it. God's not worrying. 
You and I turn on the television. You and I listen to the radio. You and I read the news articles and we worry because we don't know what's coming. But I got good news for you. God's not worrying about what's going on. He knows the thoughts that He's thinking toward us. He knows that they are thoughts of peace and not of evil. And that last phrase ought to be enough for us to shout about where He said to give you an expected end. We come through something. God does something great and we say something like this. Well, I didn't expect that to happen. But God expected it from the beginning. Before we ever went in the storm, God knew what it's going to be like on the other side. Before Paul ever set sail in Acts 27, God already saw Paul standing on the island in Melita, preaching the gospel and healing sick folks and then believing on a God they knew nothing about. And God knew it's going to take Paul going through the storm to get him where he wanted to be. God knew the thoughts. Paul didn't know the thoughts. That's why Paul in the middle of the storm had to get along with God and get a word from God but God knew the thoughts that Paul didn't know and he had an expected end for Paul's life and he's got one for my life and your life God's thoughts are not idle thoughts we think idle thoughts God does not understand wishful thinking God doesn't do any of that. You and I have a lot. You ever heard somebody say that? Well, it's just wishful thinking. That's one of our phrases around here. God doesn't have any wishful thinking. God has thoughts, and they are purpose thoughts, and they will come about, and He'll bring an expected in, which means that there'll be nothing unexpected ever come from the thoughts that God thinks toward us, and we ought to shout and give God the glory that there's nothing going to happen in our life and that God don't expect that it already happened. Amen. And that God's not somehow working it out. Right. And I don't know what all God's doing. I don't. You say, preacher, I wouldn't say that. The book says it. His ways are not our ways. And His thoughts are not ours. His ways and thoughts are past finding out. <coughs> now I don't know what the Lord's doing. But I look back over my days. I thought about that song. That they, I don't know who all sings it. A bunch of people I've heard singing. They might have sung it during the revival. I don't know. But the song says something like this. As I look back on all my days, so many times and so many ways, I've been blessed. And all I can say is God's been good. I look back on all them times. I said, Lord, this will never work out. I look back on all now. I don't know if any of you ever felt that way, but I felt that way more than once. Lord, this will never work out. Paul felt that way in the storm. He had to get along with God. God already told Paul what was going to happen, but the storm got so bad, Paul said, I don't know so much about this, God. But see, God knew how bad the storm would be before the storm ever came. And he knew that Paul would make it through. And I look back on my days. And then I thought, I look back on our days. Some of the things we've been through as a congregation, as, as a church, and here we are on a build, in a building on the side of the road. And I'm not minimizing what God has done. It is a work of God that's brought us to this point. But I'm not giving up hope that God's not still working in the midst. 
I don't think we're going to be here forever. We may not get out of here tomorrow. We may be here 10 more years. I don't know. But I'm glad I have confidence in a God that knows the thoughts he's thinking toward us. And he has an expected end. may not go like we expect it to, but it'll go just how God expects it to. And it's helped my heart this week. Ever since Sunday, I guess Monday, God started dealing with my heart. I thought about the verse on Sunday, but Monday it really started settling in. And God said, why don't you look in the book about how I think about you? And it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm glad he don't just think about me once in a while. David said, if I drift off, that's what that, that last part of that verse means. I want you to look at that just a minute and I'm done. He said... There in the scripture, Psalm 139, he said, If I should count them, talking about his thoughts, they're more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with thee. He didn't say, When I awake, I'm back with you. He said, I'm still with you. He said, If I drift off to sleep and forget all about you, lose consciousness of you, he said, You're still thinking about me. You know why it's so easy as a child of God to go home tonight? And lay your head down on your pillow in spite of all the things that are going on around you and the world being turned upside down and all the pieces falling apart. The reason you lay your head down on your pillow tonight is that way down deep in there somewhere that inner man understands that he is thinking about you. Brother Hanley Milby out there have been many things in my life I've heard him say that I'll never forget but one of them is this. He said, I was laying awake one night of worrying and wringing my hands and a twisting. He said, the Holy Ghost said, God's asleep, God's awake, and you can go on sleep. He said, I figured that God neither slumbers nor sleeps, and if He's going to stay awake and take care of it, ain't no sense in me staying awake and worrying about it. I just give it to Him and go sleep. And we have these pictures, you know, and they sell them in stores, and they're making a killing, and they don't even understand what they're saying when they say, give it to God. And go to sleep. That's what David said. When I awake, when I drift off to sleep and I lose awareness of what all is going on around me, he said, when I wake up, I'm still with thee. You're still thinking about me. Ain't that a blessing? Ain't that a blessing? That God in heaven. I thought about in Genesis chapter, I'm trying to quit. But in Genesis chapter 6, the whole world, it's repenting God that He's even made man, but He looks down in the middle of all that mess and there stands a man. And it ain't because Noah's any better than anybody else or Noah deserves it than somebody else don't, but it just said Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the reason He found grace is because God was thinking about grace for Noah. And here we are, and we're about in that. If we're not in that day, we're pretty much there and all the worlds are going on around us, and it's a rumbling and a roaring, but I'm glad there's a God way up yonder in heaven that's looking down in the middle of all this mess, and He's got His eyes on us, and He's thinking about us. And before God ever covenanted anything with Noah and told him anything about a boat to build, God already knew the expected end that Noah would come through the flood, the ark would float, he would land on the mountain, come out safe on the other side, and everything would be okay. God already knew it. 
And you may be in the midst of one of the greatest storms you've ever been in, but I'm going to tell you there's a God up yonder in heaven and He's looking down on you and He already knows what's coming down the road and He sees when the storm's over and the wind lays down and the waves quit crashing. He knows where you're going to be. He thinks His thoughts toward you and He has an end for you. And it's a very sobering scripture, sobering part of the verse to read. When God spoke to Noah and said, The end of all flesh has come before me, God knew about their end. But God had another end for Noah. He said, Your end is not going to be like their end. And I'm telling you, God's looking down in this day and He's seeing all the evil and the wickedness and God knows about their end. But thank God He has a different end for us. And He sees our end, our expected end. It's expected to Him. Maybe unexpected to us, but He has an expected end. He knows the thoughts that He's thinking toward you. You may be wondering how in the world you'll ever make it through your 70 years. I'm not talking about 70 literal years. I'm talking about your Babylon experience. You're feeling a far away. You're feeling of abandonment. But God says, just hang on. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm thinking about. He said, I know my thoughts. And I know your end. I'm just glad tonight to know about his thoughts toward me. Toward me. One writer said, Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? Who am I? That's what David said. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou would visit him. Who are we, Lord, that you would even think about me? David said, Lord, I'm just poor and needy. Yet you think about me. I don't know if it's helped you at all tonight, but it's helped me this week. And it's been a joy to deliver my heart to you tonight and remind you God's thinking about you. He didn't just start when the trouble come. He didn't just start yesterday, but before you were ever formed in the womb, before this world was ever formed, God had a plan for you. You say, I don't understand that. I don't either. His thoughts are higher than mine. I can just take it for what the book says. I'm glad to know it's so. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know the one who has the plan for tomorrow. And he already sees tomorrow before today's over. And he has an expected end. I'm glad to know tonight that the Lord is thinking about me. Father, I thank you, Lord, tonight for the privilege and the opportunity of being in the house of God. What a blessing, Lord, it's been to be here tonight. And to be in your presence, Lord, I thank you for passing by and giving liberty to preach tonight what's been on my heart. Lord, I don't feel like I've done it justice. I feel like, Lord, there's so much, Lord, in me, and I couldn't get it all out, but I've done my best to obey you and to follow your leadership. And I pray, Lord, that just a little bit of what you've done in me, Lord, would work in these people Lord, they'd get the encouragement that I've got. Lord, they'd get the strength that I've received. Lord, I thank you for thinking about me and and taking time to fool with me and loving me and and giving me what you've given me. And I pray, Lord, you'd do the same for them. Lord, that you'd help us. Lord, we, we can't understand your thoughts. But Lord, just help us to know you're thinking about us and rejoice and be glad. Lord, that even though we're poor and needy, yet the Lord thanketh on us. And I thank you, Lord, for it tonight. I bless your name for the privilege to have been in the house of God with your people. Lord, what I've experienced in my heart this week, I thank you for it. I trust, Lord, your work will continue to work. I'm grateful 
for the confidence that I have in you. And I bless your name for all you've done. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and what you're going to do. We'll thank you and praise you for everything. For I ask what I ask in Jesus' wonderful name.